When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Andrew McDonald comes in and says, well, you got your way, you got your man. So that yeah. ends the campaign, right? I said, no, this is just the beginning. Yeah. The campaign started at Manchester a couple of years ago. Nisa Bowles, Hamid. Yay! Oh, Wicket with his second <laughs> ball in Test cricket. Hasib Hamid has gifted the easiest chance to mid-wicket. He's gone for six. England, they're two for 12. Oh, that'll make for a dreadful replay, but the Australian team do not care at all. Michael Nisa has been in this squad for 26 consecutive test matches. He gets his baggy green and he gets straight in the book, the perfect start England 2 for 12. Welcome back to the overnight crowd. And yeah, really hard to pick a favourite moment from day two of the second Ashes test from the Adelaide Oval. But that one would rate pretty highly. Michael Nisa picking up his first test wicket, just two bowls into his test career as well. It's uh, unbelievable scenes, but uh, it feels like just a continuation of an amazing couple of days, both on and off the field as this second Ashes test has got underway. So let's talk about it a whole lot more and be joined by Paul Dennett, the award-winning cricket podcaster. He's part of Cricket Daily and also Cricket Unfiltered. He joins us once again on the Overnight Crowd after a very intriguing day of Ashes cricket from the Adelaide Oval. G'day to you, Paul. G'day, Hedda. Sure was an intriguing day. Always seems to be. Always seems to be. Uh, thanks for the time once again, uh, mate. So, so much happening off the field before we even got a chance to see the first ball bowled. So Pat Cummins, second time up as skipper, ruled out as a close contact. He couldn't write this sort of drama. No, you couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> like anyone, I, I couldn't believe it. And... Um, no, and I think that uh, it was probably a good thing for, for Steve Smith that it happened so late in the piece that there wasn't any real ch- chance for momentum to build about what this meant for him mm. to get a chance as, as being captain once again. And I'm personally happy for him. I think that he, he made a mistake. And uh, if, if anyone gets a chance to read the interviews with Greg Chappell talking about um, Smith's mental state going into that South Africa series and you got kind of get a different perspective as to the level of the mistake that he made. And I have some sympathy with him. He got a, a big punishment and I'm happy enough that he can have a, albeit temporary uh, opportunity to captain Australia again, but very dismal for, for poor old Pat Cummins about to go out in front of um, tens of thousands of people and suddenly he's locked in a hotel room for a few days. Thankfully he's going to get to Sydney now though. That's good. That is good news. Uh, bad for Pat personally. And for us missing out on our, uh, you know, number one test bowler skipper to uh, not play this second test, but uh, it could have been worse. Nathan Lyon and Mitch Stark, both near on missing out as well as they were classified as casual contacts. So that would have been all four bowlers changed over. Did Australia have enough cover on the ground if that had have happened? Yeah, they did. They've got Swepson in there. They've got Steckity and they've got, um, uh, Boland as well, I think, is, okay. is, is nearby too. So um, they certainly they certainly could have manufactured a team um, <laughs> somehow. Uh, but yeah, it was, it's good that that didn't happen. Um, the, the crazy thing is that uh, Cummins, number one bowler in the world, and somehow it's almost as though the, the side hasn't been diminished by his um, not being there because 
Nisa scored runs and took a wicket with his first ball. And, um, you know, it's a, a lovely debut. I love that um, that package you played with uh, Barrett Sunder Ace, who's oh, been um, his yeah. biggest cheerleader for a couple of years. Um, <laughs> 26 games, whatever it was, they said he's been, been in around the Australian squad and looked like there's going to be plenty more. And looked like he might never get his chance. I was talking about maybe the 2023 Ashes would be a chance. So, uh, yeah, um, it was wonderful to see how happy everyone was for him. Yeah, fantastic, and uh, perhaps the best, isn't he? So good, so good to see. You know, his long-term campaign pay off. I know, I know, it's about so much more. You know, Nisa getting onto the field, but yeah, just nice to see that little bit of uh, interplay as well. Well, the Queenslanders um, was it uh, Swepson and Kawaja jumped the fence and ran on and um, joined in the ruffling. I was expecting maybe Barrett would jump the fence and, yeah. and celebrate with him as well. <laughs> I think uh, he wouldn't have looked out of place out there as well. So crazy, crazy scenes and uh, storylines going on. Uh, before we even get to the part of who made the English eleven, they decided to get Jack Leach to mix the drinks for this Adelaide Oval Test. Uh, back in the right arm trundlers, as they've been described as well. How have you seen that call so far? I can't criticise it because I seem to be the only one that agreed with them, and I've obviously been proven <laughs> proven completely wrong. Um, so everyone is saying that it was a mistake to to go in without a specialist spinner, and I have to agree that that seems right because Joe Root looked actually half da- half dangerous at various stages. I think that Nathan Lyon, if he gets a bowl, um, is going to look very dangerous as well. And I've just been so disappointed in in Chris Wokes that going into this series, his record in Australia was poor, and I thought. He'll have to redress that a bit because his record in England is is superb. Mm. And I was just having a look at the figures now after he went one for 100 um, and he went at a decent clip as well. He's now got an average of 52 in Australia and a strike rate of 100. So he takes his wickets, he takes 100 balls uh, for every wicket. Whereas in England, he's averaged about 22 and his strike rate is 47. His figures in England are elite. So Mark Wood bowled well in the the first test. I thought under the Adelaide day-night conditions, I would like Wokes in there. I want Wood back in for the third test, but you, you know the the proof is in the pudding. They've had four, and when you add in Stokes, five trundlers who all do something fairly similar. So, yep, um, they were wrong. I was wrong, and the uh, the criticism is justified. <laughs> it's okay. You're facing up to the criticism, Paul. So uh, we can keep on moving on, mate. Uh, but Australia, their innings of nine declared for 473. Uh, Warner and Smith both falling in the 90s. Marnus threatened to fall in the 90s before finally cracking through for the 100, his first Ashes ton. Uh, before we talk about those gentlemen, Marcus Harris, out cheaply again. Uh, is there more pressure on him or the selectors ahead of Boxing Day? Yes, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, um, he, he might... Um, score some runs in the second innings and make it uh, a moot point. And I think it will also depend on the result of this game. Let's assume that he does not perform in the second innings and that Australia wins as he's looking uh, strongly to be the case or that it's a, you know, a draw that Australia dominates. The selectors, they'll come under a lot of pressure because his record now in, in test cricket is pretty poor. And the, 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 the counter to that is that they'll say, look, um, we want to be seen to be selectors who say that we picked the side for the right reasons and that we picked them because we thought they were the best 11. Therefore, after just two matches, when potentially we are leading the series 2-0, should we make that change? But I think the clamour will be huge. And I think that the armchair selectors would be saying, it's time for him to go and time for Kawaja to come in. And and maybe that's what will happen. So he may well come out in the second innings um, batting for his career. Uh, Dave Warner passed his fit into the 11 and real gutsy and great innings, uh, wasn't it, from him as well? Back-to-back 90s, unfortunately, for Davey, though. Yeah, but he'll take that because um, it wasn't long ago when um, there was all you know, speculation that he was going to be dropped from the Australian T20 side. 
after those um, couple of uh, poor performances in the warm-up games. He went on to be player of the tournament and then a couple of 90s in the first um, Ashes 2 test. It's like, uh, it's like he writes his own scripts. Uh, so, um, although he probably wouldn't have included the bit where he's got some badly damaged um, sort of intercostal muscles and mm. reading about that, the pain that he's going through and that he's going to have to have needles basically for, for the next several weeks. Um, yeah, you've got to admire his, his courage and... Yeah, um, an, another excellent innings. Probably a better innings than the one that he played in the Gabba. Less luck this time round, And uh, obviously he was very disappointed to slap one straight to Stuart Broad and get out in the 90s again. Yeah, Stuart Broad in, uh, involved in one way or another. Didn't uh, pick him up, but still took the catch. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Steve Smith, vice-captain one week, back into the blazer the next week as skipper. Um, he really goes to another level against England when he does have that captain's armband on, though, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, his record as a captain uh, is, I think he's averaging in the, into the 70s uh, as a captain, which is extraordinary. And, uh, you know, his overall average is uh, 61 or, or there, thereabouts. So, um, you know, I don't think that it's time for, for, for Cummins to stay out, uh, stay out of the side. But um, further to my point before, with Misa coming in, it's, it's gone okay. So um, I, I thought this was the best I've seen Steve Smith bat in test cricket for, for quite a while. Mm. Uh, it was a real surprise uh, when he got out. It took one that sort of jagged back and, and kept a bit low to get him out, and he looked set for 100. Um, Arnis Labashane, the Iron Man of the Australian team at the moment, finally getting his first Ashes ton, in a real testament to the concentration that he displayed in the middle. It's one of the hard things, I suppose, to um, when you, you, know, you get a reprieve, that some players handle it better than others, and uh, I, I love the way that Labashane returned to the crease um, uh, today when, I mean, it was just, that was probably the symbolic moment for England, the lowest of the low points that um, nothing had gone right. Finally, Robinson comes on, bowls a ball, is very slow, 118 kilometres an hour, um, sp- um, spearing it off stump. Labashane nicks it and he's out and finally they've got something going their way. And then you wouldn't believe it that it's a no ball. And, you know, Labashane almost ran back. He was so excited to, to continue. You know, no, no thought of, oh gosh, I feel a bit lucky I'm, I really shouldn't be here. No, he was all set to go. And um, to credit to Robinson, uh, to, to get him out, a, a, you know, a couple of overs later uh, with with a decent ball. So, um, Labashane now batting average 63, 64. I was saying jokingly on our podcast last night, I might have to start um, wishing him to fail because I've always wanted that, that chasm between Bradman and the next to be uh, sort of uh, untouched. Once, you, once the player starts averaging above 60 and eating into that chasm, I get a bit nervous. So, yeah. to be... 64 or wherever it is, is just incredible um, from where he was a couple of years ago, picked out of the blue uh, to play in the UAE, didn't do all that well. And people were wondering, why was he picked? Uh, well, the selectors and Justin Langer were, have been proven right in mm. spades. Uh, Michael Nisa makes 35 quickfire runs with the bat. He gets the ball in hand. He squares up Hamid first ball before getting him caught the second ball. What a start. Well, the thing that was um, interesting as well was that the, the, the first ball... Um, was actually his second ball because he came into bowl and yeah. I think Hamid hadn't seen him bowl before and didn't realise that he kind of um, scoots in quite quickly um, and he looked up and suddenly he was about to, to let the ball go. So he backed away. That one missed the top of the off stump just and it was almost like he thought, well, I'll better recalibrate and pitch it up a little bit next ball. So the, his first actual ball all but got um, Hamid out. It swung away late, uh, sort of straightened down the line. Hamid jammed his bat down and saved the LBW. And then the next ball kind of swung back in the other way. So, yeah, I heard, um, I think it was Adam Collins saying he won't want to look at that shot um, (laughs) on on the replay. But, uh, you know, it was a pretty decent couple of balls. And uh, very few times throughout this entire test match have a couple of balls in a row been bowled that are actually going to hit the stumps. Is what the feature of the 
England bowling performance that so many balls were going over the top. So Nisa, in his first two balls in Test cricket, did the you know the most basic thing, aim at the stumps, and yeah, as you said, it's probably the moment of the day. Uh, ben Stokes was a pick of the bowlers for England as far as the figures go, but a lot of talk about his bowling line when he can you know rip that one through like he did with uh, Cameron Green in the way that he did. So what, what did you make of uh, the attack from Ben Stokes? Yeah, it was interesting, David Warner talking about it and saying that a couple of times, you know, a couple of bounces is good, but he said once you start hitting a few fours that he was surprised that they continued with that attack to, to them on day one. Uh, it did make them look a bit uncomfortable, uh, but I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, the ball that he bowled to, to Cameron Green was an absolute perler, and I think it was just an example of, the, of, of England's um, poor tactics throughout their entire bowling campaign. They didn't bowl terribly by any means, but as I said, there were just far too many balls that could be let go uh, that weren't challenging the stumps, and that's the, uh, you know, the mistake that touring sides so often make here, and I'm, I'm baffled as to why they made it. Stuart Broad actually was defensive about that uh, so before play today was interviewed and said, well, there's no swing, there's no scene movement. If we pitched it up, we would have been driven in Australia rather than we held them to, uh, you know, two for 221. They would have got away from us had we, uh, had we pitched it up. And Ricky Ponting, uh, in commentary, I heard him disagreeing with that vehemently saying, you can pitch it up at that six metre length and um, uh, not make it at a driving length. And Ian Botham chimed in saying, I was quite happy to get driven when I was bowling because it meant that maybe the next one would be nicked. So yeah. perplexing to me, um, but um, um, maybe they'll learn in the second innings. Yeah, maybe. Uh, what have you made of Anderson and Broad's work? Uh, getting into a lot of it. Anderson, 29 overs. Broad, 26 overs. The uh, two and one wickets are picked up uh, collectively as well. Not a whole heap of offer, uh, uh, not a whole heap of help on offer from the pitch as well, as uh, Broad said. Yeah, I mean, you look at the figures and you say there's, they're not bad. Uh, they're, they're economical. They, they did pick up a couple of wickets. They had a um, a fair few plays and misses as well. That's my only criticism that I think that, that they could um, uh, pitch it up a little bit more, but I hope they're not listening because they would naturally say that they've probably got about 1,150 more te- test wickets than I do, but it just seemed that way from, from afar. And also, you've got to factor in that um, they were up against, for, for large parts, some of the best batters in the world. Mm. That, um, Smith and Labashain are currently number three and number two on the all-time averages list for those who've scored more than 2,000 runs. And David Warner, our other principal scorer, is one of the finest players we've ever had. So the calibre of players they're up against is pretty good on a pitch that wasn't offering them an enormous amount, but it was offering them enough. Last one on the way out, Paul. Uh, the ball's still pretty fresh for the Aussies in the morning, just uh, nine overs old. Your expectations of day three? I'd love it if, um, uh, and I don't want to sound like I'm a, uh, unpatriotic, but for the series' sake, I'd love it if England could really get stuck in, uh, if Root could get some runs and maybe some of the middle or lower order could play some aggressive shots and somehow um, get towards parity with Australia and really make this test match go deep. But, geez, on the other side of things, last summer it was India on day three that started the day at one for not many and were suddenly bowled out to 36 uh, in, the third, in the first session of the third day. Uh, I'm not predicting that, but my yeah, my, my instinct is it's going to be very difficult for England, even if they bat reasonably well. And I could see them, you know, being seven for 250 at the end of the day or something like that. Um, they're so far behind in the game that uh, Australia would take that because they would still be in a position of, of great strength to 
to move on to press for victory. I saw in Crickviz they give England currently a 2% chance, which is 1 in 50, better, better than Lotto, but not looking great. So you're saying there's a chance. Uh, I think they'll take it at this point, Paul. I appreciate the time as always, mate. Enjoy the rest of the test and we'll catch up again soon. Good on your header. Thanks very much. That's Paul Dennett, a part of the award-winning Cricket Daily Podcast and Cricket Unfiltered alongside Andrew Menzel, doing a fantastic job on the overnight crowd tonight as well. Plenty of time for your thoughts, 0433981116, or you can jump on next hour for a chat as well, one 736 736 But don't forget, Damo will be here as well to give us some super coach help for our Big Bash League teams, uh, who's in, who's out, and uh, who we should definitely be avoiding. That's all coming up still on the overnight crowd. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.